Before we begin, I have some prayer requests and updates. Um, if you all listened to last week's show, at the beginning of the show, I had some prayer requests, and I'd like to do some updates and request continued prayers uh, for some of the people that were mentioned. First of all is Doris. Doris will be turning 88 this coming week, and we wish her a very happy birthday, and we wish her so much more as well, especially... Uh, through our prayers. Doris is pretty much invalid now, um, and her caregivers, uh, Bob and Elaine, are having a very rough time taking care of her and getting her the medical assistance that she needs. Uh, you know, there's supposed to be people coming to the house to assist them with her, and it's hit and miss, and it's just not the quality of health care that uh, Doris needs or deserves and again you know this has been very difficult as I mentioned last week on Bob because it's his mother and also on Elaine who is my mother and she's married to Bob so you know they've dedicated as I said last week over 10 years of their life or I should say sacrificed over 10 years of their lives to take care of Doris and Doris Bob and Elaine need all of the prayers that we can possibly muster and, and send to them. You know, may the divine uh, wrap its arms and energy around them, strengthening them, healing them, uplifting them. And, you know, it's the exact same for Doris that, you know, either, you know, Doris has the late stages of dementia. So we know that there is no cure for that, unfortunately. So it usually means one thing. And, and one thing only is, is in her passing. And, you know, we don't want to see people suffer, you know, especially those that we love. And could you imagine Bob and Elaine sitting here for the past 10 years, you know, watching this happen to Doris? And so let's please keep Doris, Bob and Elaine in our hearts and in our prayers. I was able to get in contact with my dear brother, Mike. And I remember last week I asked for prayers for Mike and his wife mike uh, did a show for us an interview uh some episodes back in this season season two uh about the 12 steps and how it saved his life it's just it's an amazing a truly amazing show if you haven't listened to it yet please 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 go back and check it out but anyway uh mike was able to let me know that he did him and his wife do have um the omicron covid virus uh he didn't think they had it the last time that we talked but he said it was confirmed and that they have to quarantine for 10 days and he said it's been really rough and if you could only imagine with someone like mike that's been through everything he's been through with his health and with his heart condition and everything going on with his heart um you know this is pretty scary stuff but he and his wife are, are holding their own they're you know they're doing decent they're still you know, trudging through it and, and working through it and healing. So let's please, please, please keep both Mike and his wife in our hearts and prayers. And may they be healed quickly and may their health be completely restored from A to Z. Next is my wife, Haven. Thank you all infinitely for your prayers for Haven. She is feeling much better thanks to all of you and thanks to the divine uh, again, thank you all so much. And last but certainly not least is my sister's 
beloved dog, Coco. Coco is still in need of our prayers. Um, she still, of course, has kidney stones. They're getting better, uh, but they're still there. So anything that you all can do with your prayers uh, for Coco, please, we would greatly appreciate it. And how about you? Do you need prayers? Are you in need of prayers? I believe we all are, especially these days. If you are, please, please, please contact me. I love to pray, and so does everyone that listens to the show. There will be information at the end of the show on exactly how to contact me with your prayers. Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. I firmly believe that the divine works through people to help us every day. These angels and saints are so very humble. Many of us don't know they exist or existed. Hello, my name is Angel, and I'll be your host as we explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. How are you all doing? I so hope you all are doing as well as possible and that you're blessed. Please know that each and every one of you are in my heart and in my prayers. If you're new to the show, a big welcome and thank you for finding us. And I hope you find what you are looking for and more here. And if you're returning, thank you, infinite thanks for returning to the show. Before we begin, I want to give a huge shout out to a new friend of the show, Father Mike Cantor. Father Mike has a mind-blowing show called Logic in the Bible. It's a podcast. Each episode's like under an hour, but oh my goodness, the things that he covers will just, I'm telling you, it's going to turn your mind inside out and i highly recommend i can't recommend number one i can't recommend father mike and his show enough but also if and when i hope when you listen make sure you have a notepad and pen because you're going to want to take notes i mean he covers so much so what his show is about it's it's all about understanding the Bible on a level that you've never, ever thought of or understood it before. Uh, Father Mike goes into great detail as far as taking things in consideration when you're reading and studying the Bible, such as the culture at that time, history at that time, the time of that time. And all of those things come into play. Also, the language that was used at that time that, as I learned through Father Mike, is that most of those languages are dead. Yes, we have languages like Hebrew now, but the Hebrew now is not the same Hebrew, the ancient Hebrew. So it's just, wow. His, I can't, again, I can't recommend his show enough. He's got one season up right now for everybody to have a listen to, and he's uh, going to be starting season two very, very soon. His show is called Logic and the Bible. You can find him on any of the platforms that you currently listen to your podcast on, such as Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast, 
but he's through Anchor just like I am, and you can find him on Anchor at anchor.fm slash logic and the Bible, all one word. And I'll definitely, definitely have a link to Father Mike's show in the show notes. So if you didn't quite catch what I said and didn't back up and if you backed up and still didn't understand what I said, check out the show notes. There will be a link in there. And I, again, I can't recommend Father Mike enough. He is just, again, beyond mind blowing. I mean, I have been blessed that Father Mike recently reached out to me. So we've been communicating back and forth this week uh, through through text and stuff on Facebook. And we're actually going to be having a phone conversation later today where we're going to get to know each other a little bit more and maybe even discuss future collaborations between the two of us, which would be, wow. I mean, I <laughs> I feel like Wayne's World where I'm bowing down saying, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. And that's true, I'm not worthy. But, I'm, I, you know, it's, it's just, it's beyond an honor to have Father Mike as a friend of the show and actually interested in the show and me and I uh, greatly look forward to talking to him later today and I'll, I'll be sure to let you all know in a future update how that went and how things are going. This week I'll be sharing the life of one of my favorite soon-to-be saints and what I mean by soon-to-be He's not quite a saint yet, but he's one step away, and that is none other than the blessed Father Solanus Casey. So Father Solanus Casey was a Capuchin Franciscan friar, and he was born November 25th in 1870. And the Capuchins are part of the Franciscan order, which was founded by St. Francis of Assisi. So Father Solanus uh, was born and raised on a farm in western Wisconsin. Now, again, keep in mind, 1870s, late 1800s, this was the Wild West frontier days, and his uh, home bordered the Mississippi River. As a matter of fact, you could see the Mississippi River from the property that his parents had. They had a farm. Um, he was an Irish immigrant, or I should say his parents were Irish immigrants. He was first-generation Irish-American. Uh, both of his parents came from Ireland and fled Ireland during the Great Potato Famine. Of course, like most immigrants, they were his parents were in New York. They did not know each other at that time, but they were both um, churchgoers and very religious and to their faith. Uh, which they were Roman Catholic, so they attended church, they met at church, they fondly and fastly fell in love. <laughs> I guess I said that right, fondly and fastly. They fell in love at first sight. And But the thing was, is uh, Father Solanus's mother was only 16 at the time. So they agreed, the two, to um, wait a couple years before they got married. Now again, remember, uh, Father Solanus was born in 1870, so this is probably early 1800s when they met. So um, there was no no internet, so they couldn't FaceTime or Facebook or any of that stuff to or text each other to keep in contact. In uh, mail, just regular mail, if you wanted to write somebody a letter, was very uh, laborsome and 
oftentimes did not get to where it was supposed to go. And it was expensive because that's when mail had just first started. Um, so the two lost uh, contact with each other until probably five years went by and they were both frantically searching for each other. Um, this time, you know, by this time they had moved to different areas of New York. Uh, but they, again, being very, very religious, they attended church regularly. So both of them around the same time, interestingly enough, uh, got a hold of their parish priests and asked the parish priest to help find each other. So the parish priest were able to look, I guess, through the logs and rolls uh, for the churches and find each other. So each priest found the other and um, were able to reunite the couple. And they, again, were head over heels in love with each other and married right away. So right after they were married, they decided to go west um, and get a farm and start farming. And so that's when they moved to uh, western Wisconsin. And they did not hesitate on starting a family. They ended up having 16, one six, 16 children. Wow. Um, Father Solanus was the sixth child. In total, there were 10 boys and six girls. However, uh, two of Father Solanus's sisters, as well as he, contracted diphtheria. Uh, back then, they did not have um, penicillin or antibiotics or anything, any way to treat diphtheria. Um, they didn't have immunizations for diphtheria as we do now. Uh, unfortunately, two of his sisters that contracted it passed away. Uh, Father Solanus ended up surviving. However, it severely damaged his vocal cords. So uh, people described his voice as very high pitch and whispery. So at the age of 17, Father Solanus heard about life in the big city and realized that there was money to be made in the city that could not be made on the farm. And the farm was going through um, ups and downs. Um, so the family needed help. So he left school at the age of 17, which he had just graduated from the eighth grade at the age of 17. So he went to the city and he was a logger for some time. He was a hospital orderly. He was a prison guard. Um, and then he was a streetcar operator. And at that time, the streetcars were just coming online, and to be a streetcar operator was a great job. It paid really good money and had really good benefits. So um, he enjoyed doing that, and, but something happened. Uh, when he was 21 years of age and he was working on the streetcar, um, he saw someone who was drunk assaulting a woman on the streetcar's tracks. Uh, it says this created in him a sense of wanting to do something to make the world better. What had actually happened was a drunken sailor was stabbing a woman to death on the tracks. He stopped the streetcar, got out and went running to the woman. Uh, I guess police had already been alerted. I guess the, the altercation began uh, somewhere before it escalated and got to the streetcar truck because police were on their way and right behind the guy. So they were able to apprehend him 
and take him into custody. But uh, Father Solanus witnessed this and it changed him. It forever changed him. And could you imagine a 21-year-old witnessing a horrible murder like that? And, you know, this is when really everything changed in his life. So he almost immediately went to St. Francis High School Seminary in Milwaukee and enrolled. Uh, he enrolled there to study for the diocesan priesthood. Since he was an English-speaking Irishman studying in a German-speaking school, he had difficulty with his studies. It was recommended that he leave that seminary to enter a religious order. He was invested in the Capuchin Order in Detroit in 1897 and received his religious name of Solanus. So in that area of Wisconsin, in Milwaukee, it was predominantly a German um, culture. And the Roman Catholic churches at that time required you to do two things, to speak and read and write German and Latin. Now remember, he's only got an eighth grade education, so he's going into this um, already at a handicap. And, you know, they were quite prejudiced. I hate to say it, but I have to say it. Um, I just finished a great book on Father Solanus, and it's called Father Solanus Casey, Revised and Updated by Catherine M. Odell, O-D-E-L-L. I'll have a link in the show notes to the book. Highly recommended. It's such an amazing read and gives you so much detail on uh, Father Solanus's life. Uh, but she goes into really explicit detail about, you know, although Father Solanus struggled in school, in seminary, his grades were passing. His grades were average. They were a C. He was making a C, which here in the States, that's considered average. A D is below average and an F would be failing. So he was making passing grades. However, he was not making the grades that they thought he should make. So they kind of nudged him out the door of the seminary and sent him over to the Capuchin Order, uh, which he enrolled in and was accepted in. But it continued to follow him, the prejudice, because they also are German-speaking, Latin-speaking, reading and writing um, um, Roman Catholics. So the bio continues. Unfortunately for Father Solanus, the Capuchins also were German-speaking. This led him to have more difficulties with his priestly studies. His supervisors decided with his acceptance that he would be ordained but not allowed to hear confessions nor preach dogmatic sermons and made him a sim what they call a simplex priest. He was ordained in 1904 and Father Solanus spent 20 years in New York City area in Yonkers in the Lower East Side as well as in Harlem serving the Capuchin churches there. So here's one that's really going to get you. Again, they say he struggled. He was still, he was struggling, yes, but he was still making average grades. He was making a C. He was not failing any of his classes. Um, but again, with his, his Irish background, um, and a lot of people say because of his voice, the way it was, they 
could not see him. Um, they did not want to see him prosper as a full um, or fully ordained priest. I mean, back then, a simplex priest was rare. And um, of his class, three of the students were, including him, were made simplex priests. Two of those priests um, filed an appeal in one and got their full priesthood. Um, I want back up just a little bit. While Father Solanus was studying, after his first semester, when they saw his grades in the Capuchin order, he was called before the higher ups and they gave him a paper to sign that said that he was his grades were not acceptable to their standards and that he understood um, if they were not going to make him fully ordained, but that he would do their will and not his and be obedient, which is part of what you do as a monk or a nun or a sister or a priest um, is that whole obedience thing. So he signed that and like a semester before he was to graduate, they did the exact same thing again. Call him into the office, push this paper in front of him and said, look, your grades are not good enough. We don't know if we're going to fully ordain you or not. So they give him this paper to sign. It was the exact same wording. But he took this all in stride because he wanted to be a priest so very badly that he didn't care on what level of a priest he was, that he was going to make the most of it. So, or whatever they gave him. So he went ahead and signed it. But here's the kicker. Before they ordained these Capuchin priests for graduation, the paperwork goes to the Vatican to review and sign off on and give their um, verdict of what they believe should be done with this priest, whether they should be fully ordained or whether they should be a simplex priest or whether they should not be ordained at all. The Vatican approved Father Solanus to be a fully ordained priest. However, his superiors decided against it and made him just a simplex priest. Another thing to point out is on that last letter he signed, it specifically said at the bottom that he was not able or permitted to um, appeal their decision. So by signing that paper, he gave away his right to appeal uh, their decision to ordain him as a simplex priest. Now, the other two candidates in his class that were simplex priests quickly filed their appeal and won and became fully ordained. However, he was the one that had signed the paper. They didn't do that to anybody but him. So, yeah, you see there's a lot of, yeah, I know, it's, it's, it's bad. And you think in a, a religious order, it wouldn't be this way. But as we've seen with so many of these saints, uh, all the turmoil and stuff that they go through is just, it just it's mind-blowing. It really is. So what did the church do with him? Of course, as it says here, he was you know, mostly stationed in New York City. 
um, for 20 years, and he was in Yonkers in the Lower East Side, and then in Harlem, you know, transferred to those three churches there. So what did they have him do? They assigned him to be the porter, which is a doorman. They also assigned him to be in charge um, of the sacraments. Um, so that's in charge of, you know, all of the things, the holy relics and the holy things in the church and making sure everything's laid out properly. And then they added a duty that he was in charge of the altar boys to make sure that they were doing things the way they were supposed to do. Now, please keep in mind, those duties back then were generally assigned to people who were candidates for becoming a priest, not priests themselves. So this kind of cues you into what they thought of Father Solanus. But he didn't bicker or was never upset. He fully embraced everything he did, and he did it with 110% uh, heart and love and compassion and, and, and just fully excelled in it beyond, beyond reason. And if you remember from other stories that we've covered or other people we've covered, say St. Bernadette's, uh, St. Padre Pio, both of them were porters slash doormen um, before they became saints as well. So this is kind of like a an odd thing that just goes. But as we're going to see, Father Solanus being the doorman was the absolute greatest position he could have ever been in. So as a doorman, what he would do is there would be a little desk inside the entrance door um, of the church or monastery or wherever the, you know, he was. And people would come at all hours of the day and night and ring the doorbell. It was his responsibility, regardless of the hour, to get up and answer the door. Uh, people would come for food. People would come for uh, recommendations for shelter. Uh, people would come to, you know, for consultation, for help. Uh, with asking for prayers. So again, keep in mind, uh, Father Solanus could not hear confession. He could not do confession with people, but he could give them advice. Um, so he would listen to people and he would pray for them. And all of a sudden, um, people started reporting that if they, if you went to Father Solanus with a prayer request, and he blessed you and said he was going to pray for you. What you prayed for or needed came to be. So again, remember, this is way, way, way before Internet. I don't even think they phones were that common back in that day. So word of mouth through the towns and cities traveled very quickly about Father Salons to the point to where there were actually lines forming at the door for Father Solanus to meet with people. And it got to the point to where these churches were assigning another person to assist Father Solanus, but no one wanted to go to the other person, uh, like the candidate, the priest candidate. No one wanted to go to them. They said, I'll wait for Father Solanus. I'm here to see him. I want to talk to him. And it wasn't the word just wasn't getting around to the poor people it was getting around to the middle class and even to the rich. Many people of people of all walks of life and all faiths and colors and cultures would come to him for help. 
So, of course, this gets back to his superiors. Um, and they were like, well, you know, we need to do something about this. And they, what they meant by do something about this is, uh, I hate to be derogatory, but how can we cash in on this? So they, uh, there was this thing that they did, and I believe they still do, and I can't remember what it is called, but it's where you uh, enroll with the church and you pay them like a monthly uh, stipend or uh, uh, offering you give them a monthly offering and they will offer prayers for you at mass. Um, and they had a special healing mass that they did every Wednesday. Uh, and Father Solanus got to be the point to where he was leading those healing masses uh, because he had a true uh, relic of the uh, cross of Christ. Uh, so he was using that as well as prayers to heal people and during this healing service. So they gave this book to Father Solanus to when people would come up and request a prayer, he was first to push and say, well, for me to offer prayers, you need to become a registered you know, person and ask for the fee and i forget what the fee was back in those days so father solanus did this however if you did not have the money to pay the fee but would promise him that when and or if you got the money you would pay the fee he would go ahead and enroll you and offer prayers and again, word traveled and traveled and traveled. And again, now the higher, higher ups are hearing about these lines and other uh, priests are accusing Father Solanus of, number one, taking up too much time with people and complaining about the lines and also saying that uh, Father Solanus is healing people and telling people that they're healed. But of course, nothing could have been further from the truth. Uh, Father Solanus never promised anyone that they would be healed. Um, he assured them or reassured them that they would, but he never once ever accepted um, responsibility for any healing because people would come back and say, you know, you saw me on such and such date and you prayed for me and blessed me and I was healed. And he would always say, I didn't heal you. Jesus healed you. Prayers from the other priests that were offered at Mass healed you, even though many people said they were instantly healed right in front of him. But again, he was so very humble. Again, something we see with all of the saints is that they're so very humble. He never once accepted credit for any healing or anything that came from what he was doing. He was just doing, as he said, um, God's will. And he would always say to people when they would ask for a prayer or a blessing, he would always emphasize to them to thank God first. He would say, thank the divine now before this petition or this prayer is granted. Give thanks for everything that you have now in preparation for receiving that um, blessing or that prayer being answered. In fact, and again, when people would come to Father Solanus and say, "Look, uh, you you healed me, you cured me. I'm I'm you know I'm this, I'm that. It, you know this person that you prayed for, or this and that, and, and and they're so much better." His first response was always, "Deo 
gratias, which is Latin for thanks be to God. Not bad for somebody that they claim wasn't making good enough grades in Latin, but I don't know, maybe one saying isn't, <laughs> isn't enough. No, he, he could read and write Latin. So yeah, he would always say, first thing he would say when somebody reported a healing or something that came from prayers was fulfilled, he would reply, Deo gratias. So things continued on. And as a matter of fact, two other brothers of uh, Father Solanus became priests, uh, thanks to him leading the way. Um, so they became high. One became a very high ranking priest, a monsignor. The other one didn't do so good. He, he struggled uh, with the priesthood and it wasn't it never was what he wanted it to be. And he also suffered from um, having mental issues as well. And eventually, I think he was like in his mid 70s, uh, was put into an asylum uh, because he just he wasn't mentally right. And Father Solanus went to the asylum and met with him and spent actually two weeks with him uh, to try to help. Uh, but, you know, this brother was also very bitter as well, because he was like, you know, why doesn't my brother heal me? You know, why does he heal everyone but me? Well, Father Solanus very rarely ever healed or attempted to heal any members of the clergy. And the reason for that is he believed that as a member of the clergy, a priest, a monk, a nun, a friar, um, a sister, you are when you make that commitment and you are ordained that suffering is what you offer, uh, you know, that whole penance, that suffering uh, that you offer to atone for your sins and to make yourself more holy. It's again, the cross you must bear. And I know that's difficult for a lot of people to understand. And unfortunately his brother never did understand it, even though he tried his level best to explain it as much as possible. But when a severe situation arose, he would uh, offer uh, prayers and healing to those of the clergy in need. And I'll give you two examples. The first example is um, Father Solanus uh, was getting ready to go to mass to conduct a healing mass. And some sisters came in and begged him to go to the hospital with them because another sister was gravely ill and the doctors had given up hope that her fever was so high that they said she would probably die within a few hours. The sisters begged him to come with them, but he apologized and told them, look, I can't, I have service to offer a healing service. I can't leave, but he gave them the rosary because the Capuchins carry a rosary on their hip. Uh, they have like a, a rope uh, sash that goes around their waist and they hang the rosary from that uh, sash from their hip, almost like a like a gun, like a six year. It's their weapon. <laughs> That's what St. Padre Pio called it. That, here's, 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 here's a quick story for you. Sorry, I didn't mean to stammer there. I'm excited. Uh there was a, a, something going on at the monastery uh, where St. Padre Pio was, and he looked to one of the uh, guys, the subordinates that were up and coming priests, and looked at him and said, go, get, go in my room and get my weapon. 
you know, because their the rooms were cells. He said, go to my cell and get my weapon. And the guy was like, well, where's that? He goes, it's on my dresser. So he runs into the room, and the only thing he sees on the dresser is a rosary. So he comes back to Father Padre Pio, or St. Padre Pio and says, all I could find was this rosary. I didn't see a weapon. He goes, duh, what do you think I was asking you to get? A gun? <laughs> so anyway, they do. You know, those... The rosary is a very powerful weapon against evil, against the dark things. Um, any kind of prayer beads, any kind of things that you use in your practice. So anyway, getting back to the story. Sorry, I segued there or got off the subject for a moment, but didn't quite get off the subject. I'll, <laughs> I'll debate that. So what he did was he gave these sisters the rosary off his hip and said, take this to her. Lay it on her chest and everything will be okay. And sure enough, within hours, that sister's temperature, her fever broke and she fully recovered and was back at her church within a week. She was literally on her deathbed and was going to die. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. Another um, person that he had helped was a member of the clergy, was within his own Capuchin clergy. There was a guy by the name of Brother Daniel who was working his way up to become a fully ordained Capuchin priest and um, or friar, I should say. So what had happened was is uh, Brother Daniel went to the dentist and come to find out he had this really bad infection in his jaw. This infection was so bad that they were talking about having to remove the lower part of his jaw to remove his jaw and he was just completely um beyond distressed and heartbroken i mean anybody would period but he was even more distressed and heartbroken because he knew that would be the end of his career um the end of his dreams and love to become a friar so he went back to the monastery and Father Solanus was sitting at a table and he could see Brother Daniel was distressed and he asked him, he said, you know, you know <laughs> hey, why the long face kind of <laughs> thing? And Brother Daniel just, you know, said, you know, I, this is what's going on. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just below thrown over the edge that this is what my life is going to end up and if i survive the surgery because you got to remember again this is you know the 19 early 1900s i mean medicine and medical things were very iffy back then it was very risky to have any kind of procedure done let alone have somebody remove your jaw um you know chances of you know infection or not surviving were very very high so Father Solanus paused for a moment and he took Brother Daniel by the hand and said, come with me. And he took him to the chapel and he said, kneel in front of me. I'm going to bless you. And Brother Daniel said that, and this is all Brother Daniel's uh, saying this. Father Solanus never spoke of this. Uh, but what he did was when Brother Daniel knelt before him, he did the usual blessing, but then he touched uh, Brother Daniel's jaw. He put his hand on his jaw 
and and said a prayer and brother daniel said he instantly felt a change in his jaw he said it actually started to tighten up a little bit i guess he was having issues with the muscles but he said it actually started to tighten up a little bit and the, the pain was instantly gone so you know he goes brother daniel goes back to the dentist to be reevaluated and the infection was completely gone completely gone he was completely healed he never had another problem like that and he became a fully fully ordained friar so again with all of these healings higher ups were like um called him in and then the higher higher ups the higher higher ups excuse me came in to interview the bishop came in to interview father Solanus because you know of course again all of these other priests not all some other priests were ruffled with ruffled ruffled blah, blah, easy for you to say <laughs> ruffled feathers were protesting saying that you know here he is and he's saying he's healing this and he's doing this and doing kind of like you know they did to jesus back in the day he's healing people in the name of a false god blah 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 kind of thing you know what i'm saying where it wasn't saying it was god healing it was him healing and just a whole mess. So the bishop came in and he sat down one-on-one -on -one with Father Solanus and spoke with him about these healings. Of, you know, the bishop walked away with you know, no uncertain feelings about Father Solanus. He knew 110% that Father Solanus was doing this with the right motivation, the right mo intention, that he wasn't accepting any credit for it at all. That he was, you know, giving thanks to God and to Jesus and the Holy Spirit and you know the Holy Trinity for what was going on, and that you know he never once accepted responsibility for any healing. He was just conveying the, you know, he was, you know, an interpreter. He was conveying the information. He was the messenger, you know, giving the prayers uh, to the divine, and then the divine was answering the prayers. But what this bishop did say is he told Father Solanus, "I want you right away to." Uh, get a notebook and I want you to start keeping notebooks every time someone comes in with a prayer request I want you to write it down if said person returns and says that that prayer was answered I want you to go back in your notebook to that original entry and write down the date and time that they returned and what they said happened so he's actually asking him to keep a journal on this, which is not out of the ordinary because uh, Father Solanus was already keeping journals. It's something that Capuchins are um, always do, even at a seminary level. They're taught to, to keep a daily journal of what's going on in their life and their feelings and their, you know, their practice and their prayers and things. So he was already doing that. So he went around the monastery and found a notebook that would do and started to um, do that. Now, the very first notebook that he had filled had 6,000 healings, confirmed healings in it, or 6,000 confirmed prayers that were answered. So it was anything from people being sick to children being sick to uh, people needing a job to uh, people trying to fight alcoholism. And by the way, Father Solanus was one of the first people to ever call alcohol, alcoholism an illness. Uh, back in that time, they didn't. They just figured you were a bum and you were you had, you know, issues that you were an addict, you know, but they never called it an illness. Father Solanus always referred to it as an illness and treated it as such. 
1924, Father Solanus was transferred to St. Bonaventure Monastery in Detroit, where he spent another 20 years. And you could only imagine that the people in New York City were quite uh, saddened that he had to leave and go to another monastery, especially one uh, so far away from them. Uh, so, but, you know, St. Bonaventure is the original monastery that he w became uh, a priest in, um, a simplex priest, I should say. Um, so he was felt at home there, but, you know, people razzed him all the time. He loved to play the violin, but people said he didn't play it very well, but he always insisted on playing it. So, you know, other friars uh, made fun of him because of his violin playing. They made fun of him because of his voice. Um, they just did all kinds of school kid things, you know, grade school things that you wouldn't think adults, especially holy men, would do, but they did. I mean, again, this wasn't all. Uh, there was some, but as you know, uh, being bullied and ridiculed and made fun of, uh, no matter what you are, who you are, is not good. But Father Solanus never let it get to him. You know, again, something we can take from him of the many, many things we can take from him is that, you know, he didn't let what other people say or what other people thought of him get him at all. He was doing what the divine wanted him to do, and he was very sure of that. So he was safe and felt safe in that. Who cares what humans say? If the divine, if you're doing what the divine wants you to do, you're fine. There's, who cares what anybody else says or thinks? And actually, the little bit of a bio here that I'm reading is mostly from, except for my, my banter, uh, some of the most of what I'm reading here is from the uh, Capuchin website for the St. Bonaventure Monastery. And I'll, of course, I'll have a link to that in the show notes. But it goes on here by saying that, you know, he was there for 20 years in St. Bonaventure. Again, the same thing happened. You know, more and more people learned of him. More and more people were coming. Lines and lines and lines were forming. Um, you know, also, you know, during the Depression, the Great Depression, um, the Capuchins there always did a uh, thing where they would uh, have like a little soup kitchen that they would offer meals to, you know, people that were in need of food where you would get some soup and a piece of bread, you know, and, and maybe some water or tea or something like that. Um, but they didn't get many. They got maybe 50 people a day or something like that. Well, as you can imagine, with the Great Depression hitting, uh, people were coming in by hundreds, you know, anywhere from 500 to 1,000 people a day uh, would line up. And uh, Father Solanus started the very first soup kitchen uh, for that Capuchin order in that monastery. And it was amazing. He was fully in charge of it. Um, he was in charge of getting the food. Uh, he would actually go to butcher shops and, and get donations. He would go to, uh, you know, grocery places and get uh, canned goods and food. Um, he'd go to farmers in the local area, you know, out, you know, outsourcing, you know, the surrounding farms around the city and, and get food from them. He actually would go out into the field and pick a lot of the stuff himself. So, um, he averaged an, you know, every night anywhere between four to six hours of sleep. And this was like for 40 years or more of his life every day was only getting between four and six hours of sleep. And you got to remember as a doorman, if the doorbell rings, he's got to get up out of bed and he's got to go answer the door. And he always did. And he never fussed about it. He welcomed it and just was 
so beyond happy that he was doing what the divine wanted him to do. So there was an incident that happened at the soup kitchen um, that they ran out of bread. Uh, They had soup left, but they ran out of bread and had anywhere between two and three hundred more people in line waiting. Uh, So you can only imagine soup only goes so far and bread's going to be a little bit more of a filler that's going to fill your stomach. Um, And so the people ran, you know, the people that were helping run the um, soup kitchen, the other friars, went to and even one of the superiors, (laughs) of course, (laughs) went to Father Solanus and said, look, uh, we're out of bread. What are we going to do? And he calmed them down. And he said, the Lord will provide. Don't don't worry about it. Everything is going to be fine. And they said it wasn't even five minutes later. They hear a horn out front. A bread truck pulled up with a delivery of bread for not only enough for those people in line, but enough for the next day or two as well. So, again, just amazing. It's just mind blowing. All of these things that he was able to do through the power of the divine. So towards the end of his life, he started to develop a really bad skin condition. Um, People say it was extremely painful, but he never once let on that it bothered him. Um, It was like a really bad rash. I mean, like a horrendous rash. Um, And to say it was a rash is being very understated. It It was truly a horrible skin condition that they could not find a cure for. And, um, so what they did was they ended up transferring uh, Father Solanus to back to New York, to St. Michael's in Brooklyn in 1945. Uh, so they were trying to move him away from groups and crowds uh, and try to help keep him as, as secluded and comfortable as possible. But, you know, Father Solanus, if he has the ability to meet with people, he's going to meet with people. And that's exactly what he did with them when Brooklyn So when the lines started forming there and he was doing the same thing, um, helping people, healing people, uh, blessing people, they moved him to Huntington, Indiana, where he stayed for 10 years from 1946 to 1956. Uh, It was a little bit better life there for him. uh, But yet again, he was still doing what he loved to do and what the divine wanted him to do. And then at the end of his life, uh, they sent him back to uh, the last few months of his life was sent back to St. Bonaventure um, so he could, you know, finish his days there. And the bio continues by saying, Father Solanus spent his life in the service of people. At the monastery door, he met thousands of people from every age and walk of life. In time of trouble and sorrow, they sought his prayers and advice. Many people believed he had the gift of healing and prophecy. They attributed favors to his prayers. He constantly showed his love of God by loving all of God's people. However, like his models, Jesus and Francis, he would often say, I have two loves, the sick and the poor. He was always ready and willing to listen to anyone any time of the day or night. In return, he asked people to develop their own spiritual lives by growing in love and God and neighbor, especially by their support for the missions. He always would say, thank God first. During his final illness, he remarked, I'm offering my sufferings that all might be one. If only I could see the conversion of the whole world. His last conscious act was, uh, this is when he was in the hospital. 
Uh, a nurse was bathing him in some kind of solution that would help uh, ease the pain of his skin. Um, so she, she was holding him in her arms as she's bathing him. And he looked up to the ceiling and said, I give my soul to Jesus Christ. And at that point he did, he passed. And, and what they say, he gave, gave up his soul. Uh, this was in Detroit, and he was the age of 86 years old, and this was on the 31st of July, 1957. So, of course, immediately after his death, people are, you know, still saying that they're contributing blessings and miracles and answered prayers to Father Solanus. They're praying for his intercession. Things are being done. Things are happening. People are being healed. Prayers are being answered. Um, it was just people were having visions and seeing Father Solanus blessing them and giving them prayers. And, you know, some people might stay, say, well, that was like a, a, a mass hallucination or something like that. But, you know, it was just too much and too frequent of people. And it, his words spread, miracles spread and continued even after his uh, giving up his soul and not being physically in a form, a human form anymore. It was just continuing on. So people were like, we need to make this man a saint. To them, he was already made a saint, but they wanted him to be recognized by the Pope and by the Vatican and, and canonized as a saint. But as we all know too well, those who've been listening to the show, the gears that grind for someone to become canonized are very very slow within the roman catholic system so he passed away in 1957 on july 31st it wasn't until <clears throat> excuse me july 11th of 1995 uh, that pope john paul ii declared him venerable which opened his case and furthered his case to become um, a, a saint, you know, it, it show it was a show of cause. Uh, the Pope was like, you know, you know, Saint Pope John Paul II was like, you know, he he definitely is someone that deserves to be looked into, and his uh, miracles and healings and stuff like that need to be uh, investigated. So again, as we know, <laughs> the gears move slowly. So it wasn't until May fourth, two thousand. 17 2017 that pope francis announced that father solanus would be beatified which mean would give him the title as blessed or blessed um and that ceremony actually took place on november 18th of 2017 now he's still in the blessed category in order to be in the blessed category you have one one uno <laughs> miracle is to be validated just one now remember the one uh notebook that he had had over six thousand confirmed healings and that's just the ones that were written down but this didn't count what had happened was um you can go to uh saint bonaventure um, church and monastery in detroit michigan in the u.s and you can visit the grave or tomb inside the chapel of Father Solanus. And many, 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 many people do this on a daily basis and have for a long time. 
and healings and miracles have been contributed to that. However, one was actually witnessed by um, clergy of St. Bonaventure, higher up clergy. A woman came in from South America, I believe she was from Brazil, and she had a similar ailment, skin ailment to uh, Father Solanus. And she went up and kneeled at his tomb and, and prayed. And she was offering prayers for other people back in her home, uh, people in her town, her family. She wasn't going to pray for herself, but she heard this voice saying, pray for yourself. So she did. She prayed for herself. So I guess her skin condition was visible wherever it was. Which I'm sure it was consuming her body that I guess her arms were exposed or legs were exposed or whatever. It was very noticeable how bad this skin condition was. So at that moment, she heard the voice. She prayed to Father Solanus for prayer, for healing. And she was instantly healed. They said the people that witnesses, the higher ups, the higher up clergy that witnesses said right before their eyes, her very noticeable um, skin condition disappeared and she never had an issue with it after that. So she was the one witnessed verified miracle that got him to beatification. So we've got one more <laughs> for canonization, which is goofy because again, people every day pray to father Solanus. And again, don't get it wrong. People who aren't Catholic, he's not the one healing them. He's the one interceding for them by going to, you know, God, the father or the divine and, and interceding for this person because he has that, you know, direct connection with the divine. He can, you know, ask the divine for these prayers to be answered, for these people to be healed. So he's not directly doing it. Indirectly, he's doing it. He's facilitating it. So as you could only imagine, with thousands upon thousands of thousands of people over the course of his amazing life, Father Solanus helped, healed, blessed, encouraged, strengthened, I mean, so many people it's just it's just mind-blowing and some of the people that he has helped actually continued on in the faith there was a little girl who lived in new york city who lived in a part of new york city that was mostly italian and of course the italian immigrants had heard about father solanus so they would send the little girl to go to get father solanus and bring him into their town and so he could offer healing and prayers and blessings to people there. And he did this quite, quite often while he was there uh, to the fact that he knew the little girl very, very well. And the little girl would translate for him because he didn't speak Italian. And then most of the Italian people didn't speak English. But this little girl was bilingual. She could do that. So she did that. So when this little girl grew up, she became a sister. She ordained and became a sister, dedicated her life to the divine. Uh, another gentleman who uh, went to see Father Solanus when he was at St. Bonaventure. And um, his mom, he said him and his mom would go on a regular basis to see Father Solanus to the point to where he knew them. He knew them very well. Uh, and he would always, you know, kid around with the with the boy and, um, you know, when the guy, when he was a child. 
and would get his violin out and play his violin and give him, you know, always encouraging him to, you know, follow his faith and to, you know, dig deep and stay strong and, you know, stay strong in your faith and to pray and to go to church and confession and, uh, you know, go to the sacraments and things of that nature. And this affected this young man, this boy, so much that when he became of age, he ordained. He ordained as a Capuchin friar, and he is at St. Bonaventure. And get this, he's actually in charge of the soup kitchen that Father Solanus founded. So isn't that just like, talk about a legacy just within itself. That's just amazing. I mean, that's how anybody of right mind and heart wants to be remembered of, of having such a positive effect on someone that you literally changed their life for the better and they became something so amazing and something so holy and are helping so many people because of the impact that you had on them that say if you didn't they wouldn't have turned out that way it's just wow and if you can only imagine with having 14 children that survived to their adulthood the Casey family is huge uh, even still today, as a matter of fact, his great niece, sister Anne Herkenrath, uh, just retired in 2019 from being a sister for a very, very long time. So she was no doubt inspired by her great uncle, uh, Father Solanus. And just to give you an idea, statistically, how popular Father Solanus was and is, now, the was part was when he passed away in 1957. His uh, funeral service, 20,000 people showed up for that funeral service. Now, at his beatification ceremony in 2017, it had to be held at a uh, baseball stadium in Detroit because there were over 70,000 people that showed up for his beatification now i'm looking out at everybody now all of you and raise your hand if you've ever heard of father solanus before this show now i only heard of him maybe a year ago and i was instantly blown away and said wow how how have i never heard of him before why isn't this like a household name <laughs> you know it's just, I don't know. It's just strange, it's, especially with today's day and age with technology. You think, you know, this information would be just like always and totally there. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, it's been so awesome to finally get to uh, showcase Father Solanus Casey. I should say blessed Father Solanus Casey. Uh, again, he's one I've been wanting to do ever since I started the show, but I just was waiting for the right time. And I think now... Is, is a really good time with everything going on in the world and uh, with all the stress and turmoil and war, you know, we really need to be there for everybody, for each other, for everybody. Again, yeah, everybody, not just, but also be there for yourself, you know, in a non-egoistic, non-self way. Uh, be there for yourself, love yourself, love each other, love others, love everyone, you know, and if we could only do a, a tenth of what uh, Father uh, Solanus has done and what the other great people we've showcased on the show have done in their lives. I mean, the world would be 
an incredible place to be. It really would. So I all hope you have found Father Solanus as, as fascinating as I am. Um, I don't know if you've seen the thumbnail picture of him that I put up for this episode. Uh, if you go to the website, you'll see it. But he is just an amazing being. Uh, his image just radiates with such love and compassion and healing and peace. Um, you know, I could not help but get a photo of him printed out and framed and added to my to my home altar. Um, it's just I mean, how could you not? I mean, once you see his picture and you hear you hear this story, I mean, he's just wow. I mean, mind blowing. He's beyond words. And I really hope that you all see him uh, now as the same way as I do or or similar. You know, feel free to pray to Father Solanus uh, for his intercession, for his help, because as I said, miracles are still being done right and left, up and down, forward and backward all around the world. Uh, pe for people who are praying for him, you know, and we definitely can use all of the help we can get each other, everyone, the entire world needs our help. So there is a prayer, it's called a canonization prayer for Father Solanus, actually Blessed Father Solanus, and I'm going to read the, the prayer here as our closing prayer. Um, and the, when I get to the part where it says your intention, that means as I get to that part in the prayer, that's where you would say what your intentions or what your prayer needs are. And I'll pause after I say your intention and allow you to add whatever you want uh, or need to the prayer before I conclude it. OK, so here we go. Oh, God, I adore you. I give myself to you. May I be the person you want me to be. And may your will be done in my life today. I thank you for the gifts you gave Father Solanus. If it is your will, bless us with the canonization of Father Solanus so that others may imitate and carry on his love for all the poor and suffering of our world. As he joyfully accepted your divine plans, I ask you, accord to your will, to hear my prayer for... And this is your insert your intentions. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And I will have a link to that prayer in the show notes for anybody that wants to look it up. They actually sell uh, prayer cards with an image of uh, Blessed Father Solanus on one side and then the prayer on the other side. So I will pause here for now. Thank you all so very much for listening. I so hope and pray that you have found what you have been searching for in this show and that it is even more than what you have been looking for and that it continues to be that for you. I am so very open, as I've always said, and will say for suggestions and recommendations for the show. We have people listening from all over the world and each week I see on the statistics that there's more and more people from more and more different countries listening. And that is so amazing and an infinite thanks and blessings to each of you. But I know that you all have amazing angels and saints in your country, in your culture that we don't know about. It could be past. It could be present that we don't know about, but we should know about. So please, please, please contact me. 
share this information with me or at least point me in a direction where I can go and find information so we can start sharing these amazing beings of your country and cultures with the rest of the world. Next is prayers. I love to pray. Those of you who've been following the show know that more than anybody. I try my level best to be in a continuous state of prayer. And prayer is so very important to our listeners too. And they love to pray. So why not let us pray for you? In order to do that, you can either email me or you can fill out a form that's on the website. And I'll give that information here in just a moment. But please, 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 please reach out to us let us know your prayer intentions it can be for you a loved one a friend uh, for anything going on in the world right now and there is so much going on but we would love to pray with you and for you so there's two ways to contact me the first would be through email and that is at faith and more podcast all one word faith and more podcast at gmail.com the second is through our website which i highly recommend the website because it's so easy to listen to the show through the website as well as get the show notes and there's so much important information in the show notes that if you only listen on itunes or spotify or one of those other platforms you're missing out on the show notes And I don't want anyone to miss out on anything with the show. It's so very important that you get everything that's offered. And it's absolutely free. So the website is Faith and More Podcast. Again, all one word. Faithandmorepodcast.wixsite.com slash my dash site. Again, that's Faith and More Podcast dot wixsite dot com slash my dash site if you like the show i hope you continue to return and if you really like the show i so hope that you share the show with a friend family anyone that you think that can uh, benefit from the show and also please subscribe and follow and there's this new thing called rating which can be done on spotify and Apple Podcast, where you can actually rate the show. If you rate the show, it actually moves the show up into categories where people can access it more. So it's another great way to get the show out to as many people as possible. Because at this moment, we don't have sponsors. We don't have ads or anything like that that can help circulate the show. So right now, it's all based on us. And that's word of mouth and sharing with others. So please, 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 if you like the show, really like the show, please share it with as many people as possible. So infinite thanks and blessings to each of you once again for listening. I so hope and pray I see you again next week. Please know that each and every one of you are in my heart and in my prayers. And don't forget, love yourself and love each other.